Fraudsters are not brand loyal. Fraudsters don't care to nix that earlier thing about that open window. That, that, that's all they're after. You know, if the rewards inside are rich, they're, they're, they're in clover. Uh, because I always said, look, once you've got accounts for sale on your program on the dark web, then you've truly made it. From Arcos, uh, which is a cybersecurity firm, they estimate that there's 15 million people actively involved in cyber fraud. As they reckon that one in four attempted account logins are from bots. And that's a staggering statistic. Sometimes I sometimes say that the most secure loyalty program is the one without members, partners, staff, contact center agents, and basically, you know, maybe just forget about the loyalty program at all if you don't want fraud, you know. Hi, I'm Ian Pringle, and this is the Loyalty Podcast from New World Loyalty, where we help you make the most of your loyalty strategies by listening to us talk about what we'd like to talk about most, which is loyalty and loyalty programs. In this episode, we'll explore the ins and outs of loyalty fraud. How does it happen? How could it be managed? And what steps can you take to make your program safe? To help me with this, I'm joined by a panel who all have direct experience of fraud management. So please, could I welcome Michael Smith, co-founder of Loyalty Security Foundation. Hi, Michael. Hi, Ian. How are you? Very well. And you're from sunny Glasgow, it looks like. Uh, yes, a very sunny Glasgow. That's the, the view from my office. It, uh, not at the moment. It, uh, it's not that late in the day. But uh, uh, yes, a very sunny Glasgow today. Fantastic. And uh, Maciej Tichinski from Comark. Hi, Maciej. Hey, Ian. How are you doing? Did I get that right, Maciej? Absolutely, yeah. You're, you're getting better and better pronouncing <laughs> Polish, Polish names. And this one is one of the more difficult ones. So it, it will just get easier later on. You know? Perfect. And where are you in Poland, Maciej? Uh, currently, I'm in Lublin, which is a city that's pronounced uh, strangely close to Dublin, Ireland, but it's nowhere close. Um, so I have a team scattered across uh, Poland and abroad. So right now I'm in Lublin, which is uh, sort of close to the border with Ukraine. Perfect. And uh, Nick Laming from uh, from Cebu Pacific and Amia and many places before. So hi, Nick. Hi, Ian. How are you And you're calling in from Manila. I'm calling in from now receding sunny Manila. Yeah, Philistines. Well, thanks for all joining us today. So first of all, can we just do some very brief introductions in your experience in loyalty fraud? Who would like to start us off with that? Uh, Michael, would you like to start us off with that? Oh, yeah, I think uh, it's uh, been a very interesting journey uh, for myself. Uh, when I was at British Airways, uh, you know, we did have a fraud team uh, in the Frequent Flyer program. But it was what I'll probably come on to a little bit later was about classic fraud, uh, people double dipping. But my journey in the fraud world really started about 12 years ago uh, when I came across uh, a news article about an Australian who had effectively had his account taken over and cleared out. And that was really the first bit of where, uh, you know, probably the second type of fraud, this account takeover, uh, really started to pardon the pun take off and uh, over the 12 years subsequently uh, we've run conferences we've run workshops uh, I've probably spoken to more people uh, involved in day-to-day -day loyalty fraud uh, than I care to mention uh, across all sectors not just uh, airlines hotels uh, bank programs uh, and uh, it's certainly something that uh, has gone from being uh, where we did some research back in 2011, I think, 
uh, and we found that 10% of program managers uh, didn't know that the program could be defrauded. Uh, which was just quite startling. Uh, I would suspect that it's probably near uh, 100% now that uh, have some uh, good idea that uh, uh, fraud is happening and uh, the, the specific bit about account takeover uh, and accounts being cleared out uh, uh, of their miles or the value in them. Uh, is something that has really come to the fore of late. No, really, really interesting, really interesting. And uh, Mathieu? Uh, my story with loyalty and loyalty fraud started when I started working uh, for Comark, which was uh, back in 2018. Uh, so initially I started um, in, a, in a different department, then I moved to, to loyalty. So basically Comark is a technology, loyalty technology provider. So we power more than 100 loyalty programs worldwide. Uh, ranging from retail, oil and gas, um, airlines. And, you know, we were seeing our customers struggling more and more with fraud. And um, in 2019, I started building a um, AI machine learning department at Comark. And one of the early challenges or, or tasks that we uh, started exploring how we can use advanced analytics, machine learning, uh, was to counter uh, loyalty fraud. Uh, and that's what I was, uh, what I've been doing for the last uh, two, two and a half years. Uh, we've been first piloting, and we're still piloting the, the solutions with with our clients, and we're also rolling out some successful implementations so far. Perfect. And uh, Nick? Yeah, my uh, my experience with loyalty fraud goes back quite a few years. I was just uh, calculating. I think late '90s um, was when I I was first involved with a a, a program that where you you uh, used your or you could use your boarding pass to uh, retroclaim points and uh, we, we discovered that one of our top 10 members was a uh, security guy on the gate that took the boarding passes and uh, we kind of concluded there may be an issue there so uh, that, that was my first experience it was pretty basic but it was the the dumpster diving fraud that uh, where people are picking up proof of purchase and and using those to uh to earn points on their own account so and many variations of that since yeah i i mine was similar so my first my first experience of data of uh, of loyalty fraud was actually when i was at university when i had hair of all the, that, that that was that long ago <laughs> and we all knew that at university that if you had a friend who worked in a petrol station you didn't have to worry about videotapes or anything like that because you just basically <laughs> frauded them out of and so you know that wasn't a great experience but at least it was the, you know we knew it happened and then my in my first week at shell when i first started in loyalty we had we were we were criticized in the press for having a mountain bike in the in the catalog that was that was thousands and thousands of points but in the first week we, we had someone redeemed for a mountain bike and it was the easiest case of fraud you've ever come across because it was more of your one nick where someone had been just 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 picking the points out but actually the second week we had our be- had the first proper redemption for a mountain bike we didn't hadn't even bought the mountain bikes and that was because it was the best customers were also redeeming for the for things in the catalogue they'd never had a chance to redeem for. So, and this is the classic of fraud. It's how do you separate your very best customers from your very worst customers? Well, you know, fraud customers. And I guess I that had was... exactly the same thing happen uh, recently when I was um, running the the CB program. Is that we we had this smart fraud tool that d- detected all kinds of fraud and. Uh, we we picked up this one particular behaviour in the in the model, so we suspended all the accounts, and then we realised that mixed up in there were our very best customers that had been spending a lot on their 
co-branded credit card, earning tons of, uh, of points and then redeeming them just as we wanted them to do. But we, we suspended them all and it took us a little bit of time to get them back on. So I think that that's one of the big challenges here is that to get 0% fraud, you basically have to shut down the accounts of all of your best best members. So, yeah. And that, that's clearly not a sustainable uh, thing to do. I, it actually makes me remind, reminds me of a, a, an interesting story from my British Airways days. Uh, it, it, uh, at that time, uh, there was a large supermarket uh, that was part <laughs> of the program. And uh, we were sitting with uh, our counterparts at the supermarket going through uh, kind of like the large transaction reports, you know, so people that were just earning points that just seemed to be huge. And there was this one particular account uh, and it was in Manchester. And, uh, it, you know, at that time uh, I had been living in Manchester and I knew kind of where the store was uh, and which part of town it was. And it turned out uh, uh, to actually be uh, a genuine account. So the local rabbi had given everybody in the synagogue one card and they were all <laughs> collecting points uh, on the one card uh, to uh, go to uh, Israel uh, at some point in the future. So it was totally genuine. Uh, and now we can argue about rules and uh, all those other things. They, they weren't out committing fraud. Uh, and uh, that's to next point uh, that sometimes you can't just look at the top thing and go, ah, that's this. You know, as I said, it, it, uh, it, it was a very interesting one. And it always stuck with me that uh, uh, there's this, this account with millions and millions of miles in it because uh, they were all yeah, spending we... it. At, at, um, at Avios, we used to call them banana man cases because of the classic. There was a, there was someone who literally worked out that if you just is that the, the buyers in, the, in this probably the same supermarket were um, getting to the end of the month and they had a certain amount of quota of loyalty points and they were putting them out on 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 stock. And there was a guy that literally went all the way all the way around a, a, a county, if not a number of counties of the UK, buying all of the bananas at the supermarket because he worked out that that was a cheaper way of buying a flight to for his honeymoon or something. And what we used to see at Frequent Flyers is is in a Frequent Flyer program is not a typical bell curve when you see partnerships. It's a, it's a bell curve with a tick at the end and the tick at the end is these unusual behaviours that that actually benefit Frequent Flyer programs because they are unusual behaviours that aren't necessarily fraud but they are gaming or maximising or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, so if, if everyone's sharing a story, let me, let me share one too. So maybe outside of the airline space, but we're also running a lot of projects for oil and gas. Um, and particularly the, the, the biggest fraud case there is cashier fraud, you know, and the site staff basically accumulating points on their own cards. And we're piloting our, our AI solution for one of our big customers in South America, where the issue is particularly, you know, exposed. And... Um, Basically, the first results that we uh, that we've delivered to the client was uh, they said, right, you've discovered 50% of what you've found is actual fraud, and 50%, uh, the other 50% is Uber drivers. So mm -hmm. basically, you know, and and this is also a you know a, a different case of how you can spot how you can spot a irregular behaviors or maybe you know people that stand out because obviously they have quite different spending patterns and and earning patterns of points and and redemptions. 
than your regular customers, but it doesn't necessarily mean that all Uber drivers are actually fraudsters, right? And how did you actually find out they were Uber drivers? How did you do that? That um... Well, so, so, you know, the client told us after seeing the um, example accounts that we sent, and mostly because they were seeing at products they were buying and that, that uh, you know, Uber drivers in Argentina buy this particular type of fuel, which is, uh, which is typically used by taxi drivers and Uber drivers. But it was impossible to detect it without going into product level details. So sort of analyzing, you know, basket items within the loyalty transaction. Yeah, the, the, the reason I was asking is, is it's a very, uh, is very early in our career. And I've stressed very early in my career that the Data Protection Act was the first data protection application. It, it, it was months old when I, when I first started loyalty. And um, we were investigating similar cases. So cases in, in, in oil and gas where there was, there was unusual transactions on cards. And of course, to, to the fraud team, in order to investigate fraud, were calling out the garages and saying, do you recognize um, Michael Smith, Michael Smith, and they say, yes, I do. And he said, do, do you, is there a reason why he's got a million points in his card? And he said, well, no, because he's a student who works behind the till on, on, on overnight. Or, or that he was, a, he was an Uber driver, as you said. The issue with that is because obviously now we know is that that's breaking the Data Protection Act because you're sharing, you're sharing data from one company to another without the, with, without the customer's permission. And, it's a ver- and at that point, we were um, the company I was working for was heading up the lobby board to help with the Data Protection Act at the time as it was in its infancy, and um, it was one of those cases where it was uh, you were unrested and anything you say or do may be taken down in evidence against you. And um, at which point we just have to go and get the company lawyer instantly out of a meeting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But that, but and that was sorted out because we were investigating fraud in a natural way. But in the same way, we were breaking the Data Protection Act because of that not protecting the customer's individual rights. Um, now that, of course, now we do what you, you suggested, Nick, where you suspend the accounts and let the customer then call you to justify themselves. It is what it is. But as you say, there's more risk to annoy your customers. Nowadays, more than ever, uh, we're in a far better position to detect these types of, of fraud. As uh, Macho was saying, the, the using AI to identify patterns and trends that there's no way we'd be able to do using the the human brain. Uh, It is really the only way that we can hunt down these these specific fraud cases that look so much like a really good customer. But I think over time, as these tools learn more, it'll be really interesting to hear your experience, uh, Mache, in terms of how the tools have improved, even over the past few years i'd imagine and in the future i think it's going to get a lot harder for for fraudsters fortunately well uh you know as machines learn fraudsters do too that's uh, uh that's something to remember as well but then also because because you know uh, talking about ai it, it all sounds very um, scary to some you know a little bit rocket sciencey to the others um, but what's important to remember is what really AI or machine learning does is that it, it's basically better in calculating a lot of numbers than human brains. You know, human brains are way superior than computers in bazillion of different ways. You know, we're, we're better in creative thinking, we're better in problem solving, we're better in recognizing patterns and so on. But what computers are great at is, you know, calculating a lot of numbers in a very quick way. So basically the way that these machine learning AI solutions work is that they calculate dozens, if not hundreds of different statistics on, on account level, right? So think about, you know, 
how quickly do a given customer gain or redeem points? What is the ratio between points earned and spent? What is the, you know, uh, the time between customer enrolling to the program and first redeeming the points? And that imagine, you know, this gigantic table where you have each row is your customer, each column is this different statistic, you know, and how many of these columns you can possibly absorb as a human being? Probably two, three, four maximum, right? Depending on the number of rows. If you have 10 rows, probably more columns. If you have 100 of rows, probably less columns. If you have million rows, then, you know, it's really difficult to even capture, you know, an anomaly on a single column. Now, what machines do is basically they automate and they are better at picking up, you know, anomalies and patterns that do not match the standard in a gigantic volume. And that's really it. It's, it's just calculating a lot of statistics and automating the process of picking up anomalies. And that's, that's really what AI is. And, and it's nothing, you know, that spectacular as some people try to, you know, sell it as. It's really speeding up the statistics and computation on it. And I agree that it definitely adds, you know, this, uh, it's the only way right now to recognize some of these new, more nuanced, more gray area fraud. But it definitely is not, you know, a magic wand that you can just simply apply and suddenly, you know, all fraud goes away. And it's, that's also important to remember because, you know, as we talk with our clients, some people or some companies expect that this is the case, you know, that they suddenly, you know, after they apply it, basically they have nothing to do. They can, you know, lay off their entire fraud team because, you know, there is going to be AI replacing it. But really what it does is it simplifies, automates some of the processes, but it still relies on, you know, uh, experts recognizing and feeding it with feedback, right, about what is fraud and what is not. And, and the models definitely improved, but, you know, fraudsters get smarter and smarter every day as well. So yeah. it's a constant, uh, you know, uh, thief and police game or, or, um, and, and the struggle will probably stay as long as loyalty programs are alive. No, exactly. I, I think I, I was just going to I, I throw in an interesting statistic. Uh, so from Arcos, uh, which is a cybersecurity firm, uh, they estimate that there's 15 million people actively involved in cyber fraud. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, I, 15 million people, uh, and they just keep pushing. Uh, and one of their uh, other uh, uh, interesting stats, and, and, and it relates to this, um, uh, you know, bit uh, of what we're talking about, is they reckon that one in four uh, attempted account uh, logins are from bots, right? Oh. And that's a staggering statistic. And that then feeds back to uh, this whole bit about uh, it's just generating so much data that the human brain can't uh, cope with that. The human brain can uh, ask the questions and can ask better questions from the data that then gets thrown up. But it's just, it, it's absolutely staggering uh, when you think that one in four, uh, assuming that, that, that these figures are from Arcos, assuming that, that those figures are correct and that that's based on their uh, uh, data uh, from what they're running from clients. Uh, and and, and Mike, we, we, we talked about, so there's the obvious frauds, which we talked about, you know, dumpster, the, the, the sort of the customer behaviors where they're, they're, they're mis, mis, misbehaving within the program. But you're saying um, these, there's sort of active criminal fraud. Can you talk about some of those like the, the data theft and account takeovers? What, what, what are they doing? So, I, I, you know, it is kind of interesting. I mean, I, I, I tend to put it into these two bits, which is one is the classic fraud. 
Yeah. And and we can talk about, you know, whether it's gaming or fraud, uh, and and that's an interesting uh, part. But the, the real bit that's taken off is this account takeover. What happens in a lot of these cases, so I'm going to take one case uh, from China. Uh, and uh, if you if you talk to any of the law enforcement people, so from, uh, uh, you know, the, you know, the Fed, uh, you know, uh, all the way through to uh, other uh, law enforcement organizations, what they will tell you is uh, fraud usually involves some other form of criminality. So there'll be people trafficking. Uh, uh, or you know tobacco or alcohol smuggling uh, going on behind it and this one particular case that involved a large uh, hotel uh, loyalty program uh, in China uh, what they were doing was they were hijacking the accounts redeeming the points for a free hotel night uh, and it was a prostitution ring so it, 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 you know I you know, one could call it margin enhancement, I suppose, but um, it, it uh, you know, because that's what they were using uh, the rooms for. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, these people were organised. It wasn't mm. just uh, one person going, oh, I'll have a try at this. Uh, and uh, I came across a, a, an interesting statistic yesterday. This is from India. So SpiceJet had um, a data breach a few days ago. Uh, and uh, the person writing the article about that was saying that you can buy software for about 200 US dollars uh, that will try and crack people's passwords. Now, that's- and this is this is and this is not necessarily um, the the takeovers. This is um, what you call credential stuffing or data theft. Well, it's the bit before you get into. Uh, the account. Um, uh, mm. There are um, a, a variety of ways that people can get into the accounts. So uh, if you take it at the, the start part and what uh, lots of uh, uh, you know, people like me and program managers think, well, you know, the, 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 you know, the system's secure because that's IT and the IT people are looking after cybersecurity, but that's where you get the data breach. And then because people are reusing their passwords, uh, uh, it's then you know, getting down to uh, you know, the next level. Uh, and what you've got is you've got a, a criminal element doing it, uh, and then you've got a degree of a friendly fraud element doing it. So, uh, you know, uh, ex-husband, ex-partner, children uh, logging into your account. Uh, and Yeah, like my reading. Amazon account. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that that's one bit. And then the other bit is where the customer's saying, it wasn't me, but actually it was. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so it wasn't me that was getting into that account. Uh, and th- those are very hard ones to spot. And what can, what can um, program managers do about these ones specifically, Michael? Well, I see Nick is nodding his head away there. Uh, I, I, so th- there are a variety of things that uh, uh, the program managers can do. I think the first bit is to be aware this is going on and not to kind of say, oh, we've got a firewall, it's all data secure, that's IT, right? So uh, part of this is about understanding program design. Those bits of program design have an impact further down the line. So uh, take, for example, uh, um, household accounts. Uh, if you want, or if you want people to merge accounts, there's a huge IT bit behind that that can allow fraudsters in. Mm. Uh, um, there was um, a, a, a US airline 
that had seen uh, one of their competitor systems get hacked and it was all hands to the pump uh, to figure out how could the fraudsters get into our system and they found 26 different areas of vulnerability. Uh, now, I, I, I won't list all of them because uh, 26 is a bit long, uh, but the one uh, when I was sitting in the audience listening to the person talking uh, that made me worry was at microsites. And when I think of the number of microsites that I set up at British Airways because I was trying to get around the IT queue, uh, and uh, and suddenly the, all of those microsites were just huge vulnerabilities to get in, and uh, you know, and, and and I think one of the bits, um, you know, if I was giving one bit of advice is to get to know the IT people and mm. not to think that uh, security is nothing to do with me. Now, it's not about being a security expert. Uh, uh, you know, um, one of the, so the people who do the IT things will t talk about these SQL injections, uh, which just sounds really painful, uh, but it's one of the way fraudsters get into the IT system. Uh, and it's just understanding about the whole bit about forms and when people actually, so when people sign up for your scheme, they're actually putting data straight into your database. And there's an open door there. So how all of that's written and how all of it's managed, you might think it's IT and it is IT, but you just need to be aware that if you're setting up other doors into your program, you're giving fraudsters uh, you know, a way potentially to get into that account and then take it over. Now, I still think, though, that the, the, the biggest weakness in, in all of this, because the tech folks are pretty smart, right, and, and their security is quite smart, is the, the fallibility of humans. We, we used to monitor the dark web uh, because I always said, look, once you've got accounts for sale on your program on the dark web, then you've truly made it. And we, we used to find these accounts, buy them on the dark web, and then... We, we would contact the members in a very subtle way uh, and encourage them to change their passwords uh, because generally it was, uh, and, and we used to get hit with huge attacks where they'd run a massive file of credentials against our loyalty system to see how many logins they got. Uh, and what that was, was the result of other hacks. So where another site's been hacked, their credentials have been stolen, made available for sale, and then those credentials are the same that they're using uh, on the on the loyalty program. Uh, and the, the, in the old days, it would have been the bank. They would go after the bank because that was the one to access because you can get real dollars or real pesos. Uh, but now they've they've established well a, a softer underbelly, a loyalty programs because. The security is not as uh, as tight, so we, we used to see these the effect of these and, and trying to say to someone, look, use a password manager, please, because it's not just the loyalty program that someone's going to get access to. It's probably going to be all of your um, all, all of your sites. So I think human human error and and human weakness is probably still the the biggest source of concern for me as a as a program manager. 
Yeah, the other thing I'd add to that, if we, we've talked about collection fraud sort of at the front end, and we talked about it, people hacking in from outside. But another big area that I've seen, so if I talk to my colleagues who've lost millions of pounds or dollars or pesos from, loyalty, from, from theft, the other one is just the fact that the loyalty systems have not been cobbled together 100% correctly and there's been doors left within the system. And this is this is either staff or agencies who have access to redemption processes. And the process of redemption, especially on airlines, has not been completely f- sewn up so that when a redemption for a flight happens, that, that the, the, the cost of that, that, that flight has been correctly accounted for. And we all know the systems are out there that perhaps, or we've all been in, in, in meetings with IT where we've launched something quickly and MVP has happened, minimum viable proposition, but minimal hackable proposition, where IT have said, we're not going to completely shut that door, but we'll have we'll set up reports to monitor it. And those reports are then not monitored. And all of a sudden you end up on the back of millions of pounds of fraud. Um, I, I see everyone nodding their head. Nick, do you want to cover that one off? Is that something you recognise? Yeah, absolutely. Both in terms of what what you can prepare for. And the the fact is that there's a lot of resources looking for weaknesses. And uh, and typically, you're you're right in that these loyalty systems, the the, the kind of ecosystem of of technology that involves nowadays, and you've got so many different platforms and, and different channels that covering absolutely every and it's not necessarily the door it's the side window that you leave slightly ajar and then someone manages to creep in and uh, and do you damage and yeah i it, it's again it's difficult because the only real well i i've had several experiences where internal audit have said yeah we have to stop running this loyalty program because we've got fraud yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, I've come across that, that, that several thing. times as well. And the other is where the tech guys say, yeah, it's no problem, but there'll be a 17-step login process and they need to bring their <laughs> yeah, hard yeah. copy of the birth certificate into the into the office before we'll let them log in. So, again, it, it's a trade-off. And I think just like the old credit card days, it was a trade-off there in terms of, how much fraud do you accept versus how hard do you make it for a customer to, to transact? And these programs are supposed to be fun. That, that's the other downside with these things is that they're supposed to be enjoyable. And, and yet, if, you, if you're so worried about closing absolutely every possible door, I know the ones that can, can break you need to be closed, but uh, it, it's very hard to run a program with, well, it's impossible to run it with zero fraud. Uh, it's just a case of how much you're willing to accept. I Michael, I see you on the edge there. I, I, I just, I, I, I'm, you know, chuckling at one level because, uh, uh, you know, Nick's talking about the dark web there. Uh, you can go onto the dark web and you can buy uh, $10 uh, uh, Pizza Hut reward uh, vouchers. So someone's gone to all the trouble to set up something on the dark web to sell for $10. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, so it, there, there's an I interesting mean, multiply multiply ten by you know million, and then you know, you know, so uh, uh, you know that's one bit. Um, United Airlines still have their program running uh, where they will pay you in miles if you find a, a hole in their system. 
So they've paid out uh, oh, millions. Really? Yeah, uh, they've paid out. Uh, you can go to their website; it's still there. Uh, they've paid out millions of miles uh, in terms of um, th- those kind of like uh, you know sophisticated ways of getting in. You know, uh, Nick says uh, you know it's the window left open. Uh, it's the microsite. It's um, uh, you know how a forms constructed. Uh, uh, these, uh, you know, uh, as I said, uh, SQL injections is just one, uh, but there's a whole um, range of other uh, tools and tricks. Uh, and you know, apparently, uh, you know, you know, my main life's running uh, events and conferences. Apparently, the fraudsters are running events and conferences and having Zoom calls too. Oh, don't worry, Michael. Uh, I've had a few a, fraudsters it, running events and conferences in my time. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> none of yours. None of yours, of course. None of yours. Well, they will be fantastic. We, we, we do run a fraud event, but no, <laughs> not, uh, not, at least not, you're open about it. <laughs> not, 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 not in that sense. Uh, I, I, and I, I, as I said, it, it's one of these bits where we also run a, a fraud event uh, for uh, payments, and uh, you know uh, you can have uh, zero fraud. Uh, you know, taking credit cards and other payment methods. It's just you'll have no business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I always, I, I sometimes, I sometimes say that the most secure loyalty program is the one without members, partners, staff, contact center agents, and basically, you know, maybe just forget about loyalty program at all if you don't want fraud. You know. The other thing is, is fraud. Um, I've come across several cases in my time where fraud's a good thing. Um, <laughs> where, and I'll tell you, when I was at EDF Energy, we were part of the Nectar program. And uh, we were signing up, we were, we were spending money signing up developers who were developing multiple properties. And we were, we were giving them, you know, 50, 60, 70 pounds a, a property to sign up to, a, to your gas and electricity supply. Because once you sign someone up, they're unlikely to leave. But at the same time, we were giving people money for signing up households when you joined with Nectar. And a load of people who were on the admin side of, of, of property developing were just re- registering their properties with us at five pounds, five to 10 pounds a go on loyalty points. And it was fraud. Yes, of course it was. We never shut it down though. We didn't encourage it. We didn't shut it down. We had a similar thing where it was a paid a paid program. So you got a welcome pack and you paid for that welcome pack. But we were giving, through one of the channels, it was free. And what a very industrious and smart person was doing was essentially stockpiling our free kits and then selling them out of the back door. So when we found out about it, there was a big clamor and people were saying, well, shut this down. This is terrible. Uh, she's, she's stealing from us. And uh, I, I actually said, well, let's make her a channel. I, I'm going to let, let's send her the kits. Um, yeah, yeah, if, she, yeah. if she can uh, make a little from it, then why not? It's, uh, and that's exactly. where I, I guess it, that's still fraud in a way, but it, uh, to your point, that that's a bit more positive. It's right on the edge of of gaming and and kind of. I, I always applauded people that could take advantage of what I would term as my stupidity, basically. In that, if I set a rule <laughs> wrong or I did something wrong, then uh, good on them. Okay. If it wasn't industrial, I sort of have industrial scale and, mm-hmm. and household. And if it yeah, was but, household, the problem, the problem, the problem is that these usually get transformed into industrial scale pretty quickly right now. And, you know, this is something that we've seen with our clients, that it starts as a friendly fraud or, you know, some innocent, you know, gaming with the rules. 
And then suddenly you see this, you know, getting posted on Reddit or some other sites. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, you know, um, rather than having a couple of people doing it and simply gaming the program, you have hundreds of thousands trying trying to do the same. And, you know, it's it's better to catch it and stop it early than let it slip to, to masses. Mm. That's so just to close off, just to close off, then what would you, if you just go around, what would I have two pieces of advice? And if someone else has said it, we don't need to repeat it. But two pieces of advice for program managers on fraud, um, Michael. How would you, how about you kick off? Okay, I I, I would go for that bit of uh, you know getting to know and uh, understand your uh, IT colleagues. Uh, I it uh, you especially know, the dodgy ones. <laughs> <laughs> I um you know especially the ones uh, doing things behind the scenes. I they um. The point of that is that it's it's not just about getting your uh, program changes made, it, made, but it's just understanding that those accounts are vulnerable, and uh, you know, you know, the whole bit of bots and everything uh, coming into that, uh, and I think you know, with that, uh, you know, uh, is measurement. So mm. the bit I was talking about, uh, you know, this. Uh, you know, uh, if that Arco's number's right and one in four uh, login attempts, uh, you know, are from bots, uh, that, that that's quite staggering. But, you know, what are your IT people measuring and what do you need to ask them to measure and what do you need to ask them to share with you so that you understand? Um, uh, Nick uh, talked, uh, you know, about him writing poor rules and the minute you write the rules, you know, uh, people are either going to find a way around them uh, or do something that you haven't thought of. Uh, and uh, having the IT people there, you know, uh, might help you with better design and thinking some things you might not have thought of. Mm. And my number two bit is all to do with collaboration. Uh, the fraudsters are not brand loyal. The, the, the fraudsters don't care uh, to, uh, you know, Nick's uh, earlier thing about that open window. Uh, uh, that, that, that's all they're after. But, uh, um, you know, if the rewards inside are rich, they're, they're, they're in clover. Understanding and working with uh, other people. Martik talked about, uh, you know, the hundred uh, uh, people that are on the Comart platform. Um, uh, Amadeus, uh, with their loyalty platform, uh, I don't know whether uh, Comart does this or not, but uh, Amadeus get uh, all of their clients together. And, uh, I, you know, they share things like, oh, we do this as reporting. Uh, or we need this, uh, and then that gets ramped up. Uh, you know the the uh, you know Amadeus is uh, uh, you know queue to uh, make system changes, and that whole collaboration of understanding that other people are getting defrauded, uh, and what have they done, uh, and uh, you know what are they seeing, uh, and th- this is not anti-competitive. It's nothing to do with that. Uh, it's nothing to do with uh, um, you know data prevention uh, or uh, data protection. Um, at least my understanding uh, of broadly of the GDPR rules uh, these days are uh, that if it's uh, for fraud prevention or you know against criminality, uh, there are some exemptions within the GDPR yeah. rules. My um, example was very early. My <laughs> example was very early in the process. Uh, um, yeah. You know, so I, I would just say that uh, you know, I, I, with that, uh, you know, talking to other people in the industry, and I'm not just saying that because uh, we run an association, but uh, it, it, it really is. These other people will be able to give you uh, right. Okay, when we've done this, this is what we've learned. Yeah, uh, and uh, as I said, fraudsters are not brand loyal. Uh, they'll keep pushing at every door 
till they find one open or uh, every window uh, till they and, get in. And Nick, what would your what would yours be? Would you add add to that? Uh, yeah, my my two would be don't live in denial. There is going to be fraud in your program. Uh, I used to set my uh, ops guy the challenge that to find two different methods they were defrauding us every quarter, and mm. uh, so th- that would be the first one. It's there. Uh, the second would be try not to design for the 0.1 percent that are defrauding you. Think about the 99.9 percent or the 99 percent that are genuine members enjoying the program. Uh, and, and try and design for them. Mm. And Maciej? So, I mean, great tips already. Uh, I, would, I would start with the first one, genuinely to everyone. Don't reuse your passwords, please. I think this is like the, the ground zero sort of basic tip for everyone. And then to the program managers, I, like, I would stress what uh, Nick and Michael already said. So, measure your fraud because otherwise it's very difficult to get budgets to counter it that's that's one thing and another one you will get hacked you will get you know attacked and it's not that anyone will target your organization specifically but basically right now anything you expose to the internet will get attacked and you know smart organizations do not plan or do not think if they're going to get hacked or get their program defrauded, but when or what will I do when it happens? And this is this is a big difference. And lastly, uh, I would say consider two-factor authentication. I know this gets uh, pretty technical, but honestly, this is the easiest. And right now, because, you know, a couple of years ago, people were saying, right, but what about, you know, customer friction, customer experience, you get so many you know, your bounce rates get so much higher when you introduce two-factor authentication. I feel this is no longer a case. You know, people are so getting used to and, and more and more organizations are sort of forcing everyone to, to use two-factor. So, for example, getting a one-time password whenever we redeem or change your personal detail, it's no longer as much of a fuss. And honestly, this is the only way to get your program properly secured from a vast majority of fraud. If you've got that, you're basically secured for this 99% that Nick said. So I would highly recommend everyone to consider two-factor authentication and don't consider this as a nuance, a something that you may do in your 17th release of your program. Make it a must-have from the start and and, and you'll be well, well off. I'd broaden that point out to be, to include, embrace all of the technology available to you. Because, yeah, there are things like uh, two-factor authentication, but there are also some of the the, the AI tools that, that um, Maciej was talking about earlier on. Uh, things like uh, variable friction when you're logging in or signing up, depending on what data you're entering, how you're entering it, and so on. All of these tools that are available to you, I think, are are well worth getting on top of uh, and and really embrace it in, in the program because there, there is an opportunity for loyalty programs as well to turn this whole fraud discussion into a positive and mm. to become in, in philippines there's no credit scoring bureau so a, a great source of identifiable authenticated customer data and effectively a credit score is the, the the loyalty database that, that's got all that rich data in it that and a, a person is 
identified as a, as, as a real person, which is a differentiator from the, the, the lists of old. So I think you can almost turn it into a, a, a positive development where you're providing identity and credit scoring data for the benefit of partners and for the monetization of all that work that you've done to, uh, to reduce fraud. Well, on, on that positive note, we'd just like to say thank you very much to our guests today. So thank you very much, Michael Smith. Thank you. It's uh, been uh, fascinating uh, hearing some other bits. And thank you very much, Maciej Tichins- Tichinski. Thanks. Thanks, Ian. And thank you very much, Nick, Nick Lamming. Thank you. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, guys. And thank you for listening. And if you like, like this podcast, please like, share, or comment using the hashtag loyaltypodcast. And we look forward to your company again soon. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>